Welcome to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Giving you an exclusive look into Grand Canyon University Athletics with news, special guests, memorable flashbacks, and more. It's the Lopes Insider Podcast. On this episode, Paul Coro introduces Lope Nation to GCU men's basketball assistant coach Casey Shaw, who at six foot ten inches tall is up to the tall task of helping the Lopes to the big dance. And Barry Butel heard from George Tassaris, the former Cyprus military guard who helped GCU soccer to its first NCAA Division I tournament appearance as one of the nation's top goalkeepers. Hear them and more now on Episode 7 of the Lopes Insider Podcast. You can always grab the latest episodes of the Lopes Insider Podcast on your favorite platform or on gculopes.com slash podcasts. Well, Paul, back for a little uh, news and notes here. It might be summer, but a huge week of news we just had in GCU Athletics. So let's get right to the news and notes. All right, finally, big, shocking, breaking news. And, Paul, I'm going to let you do the honors. This this is really huge, though, and, and uh, we've already heard from some of our fans. They're very excited about this, Paul. But for anybody who hasn't heard, break the big news for us. Yeah, are you sitting? Sit down. I'm down. I'm sitting down. I'm laying down. It's that big of news. I'm laying down. (laughs) Long awaited, much desired Lopes Devils. ASU, GCU, and men's basketball is happening this season, and it's coming to GCU Arena first. Unbelievable. Yeah, December 13th might prove to be a historic day. GCU will go to ASU in 21-22, but it was really great to read how ASU President Michael Crow said he hoped it was the beginning of a rivalry. Uh, and we've all thought that this could be a great in-state uh, series to build on. And GCU ASU opened the arena in 2011, but they've only played once for real 40 years ago. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. And I don't know about you, Paul, but when when it when it just came out, um, you know, uh, end of last week, I was already getting texts. The fans are I've been wanting it, and they are super excited about this. For sure. And it was a big week in general. We also announced the Colangelo Classic Parians. It's a quadruple header at the Suns Arena downtown. And uh, the Lopes will be playing San Francisco, who is coached by Todd Golden from Phoenix. But there's power pack matchups. You got Gonzaga playing Texas Tech, NAU, USD, and ASU also as part of that playing against BYU, who wound up in the top 25 last year. Well, that is going to be a a fantastic day of basketball. Don't just come to the GCU game, even though you need to come to that one. But four great games. And, you know, staying with basketball for just a minute more. More great news. A lot of GCU fans were happy to learn that a familiar face will be back next season. Oscar Freyer, the Rim Slayer. There it is. Our favorite high flyer is eligible after missing last season. And he he said uh, there's a GCULopes.com story where he said how blessed he feels to have this chance uh, to be back with his guys and play for Bryce Drew. Yeah, I would encourage everybody to read that story. Um, loved hearing what Oscar had to say. Excited to see him on the floor and also just his his growth uh, as a young man. And another great surprise. I don't know how many people were watching it at the time, but uh, we got to hear uh, Cade Meckel's name called uh, in the draft, which was fantastic. Absolutely. How about that? That that news made so many people happy for the guy. Uh, he's such a popular uh, student athlete internally at GCU and externally people got to appreciate how well he pitches. He was nails in 2019. He was drafted, comes back and then moves up 36 rounds to be a fourth round pick of the White Sox. Crazy, right, Michael? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't see that coming. I'm not sure who did, but good for him. I mean, he was he was nails, man, and he was nails uh, for GCU and always took the ball on Friday night and uh, did great. So uh, great to see. And as always, stay up to date on the latest Lopes news on GCULopes.com. Get out there and read that story uh, that Paul did with Oscar Freyer. And you can also check out the GCU Lopes app. All right, trivia time. And in light of Cade Meckles being drafted by the Chicago White Sox, we got an MLB question for you, a draft question. Who is the highest drafted pitcher in GCU history? Any ideas? Yeah, because I looked it up. But through, <laughs> <laughs> through looking up the question, I learned that Tim Salmon wasn't the highest draft position player out of GCU. It was Leroy McDonald in 69. You probably had classes with him, right, back then? Uh, maybe, maybe he was a little before my time, but oh, not, okay. not, not too much. Yeah, not too yeah, much. That was just four years into the draft starting, but that was interesting in itself. Wow. Well, we're looking for the highest drafted pitcher in GCU history. So chew on it a bit. We'll uh, share that answer at the end of the show. But right now, let's get right to our guest. George Tassaris came to GCU soccer with unique experience. He served in the Cypriot National Guard as he trained with a soccer club at nights. He became a goalkeeper who transformed the Lopes immediately. He ranked second in the nation for save percentage as GCU reached the NCAA tournament in 2018. Tassari shared more with Barry Butel on the Lopes Insider Podcast. George, thanks so much for joining us on the uh, Lopes Insider Podcast. And uh, as I understand it, you're you're living on campus. Uh, how's that been going over the summer? And uh, how excited are you to see uh, your teammates and get back onto the field? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. It, it It is a little bit weird because it's not something that we're used to being contained for this long. But um, with the hopes that uh, all this thing will go for the better, we're really excited to have the team back and eventually start training. Obviously, COVID-19 impacted uh, your ability to maybe travel and head back to Cyprus. Uh, how, how, how has that transpired? How, how's your family over there? And, and uh, how's that, how has this pandemic uh, impacted you personally? Uh, well, you know, it's, being away from family is always hard. And with uh, COVID-19 and the borders being closed, not being able to go back, makes it even harder but knowing that they're okay and safe i guess it is for the better what is uh it's amazing uh, when you talk about where you're from and and where you're at today can you uh kind of explain that that journey a little bit and and what brought you to gcu um well growing up and uh playing soccer i never thought i would get a degree as well as play soccer but when the opportunity was presented to me uh, it was too look. It was too good for me to look away. For being me to be able to have a degree as well as do what I love every day, it would be like a dream come true. I remember um, actually vividly talking to Shellis uh, and and saw how excited he was about your impending arrival uh, to GCU. Um, but he also talked about the fact that it was a bit delayed there, as I remember, because you were serving a, a mandatory military service. Can can you talk a little bit about that and and uh, what that experience was like before you arrived in Phoenix and on, and uh, on the campus? Yes. So um, every citizen of Cyprus has to go through mandatory service, and me being a uh, a national team player, I was only 
allowed to go through a certain service, like for two years, but only Kawaii. I could not go for special forces or anything else. But I feel like um, combining soccer and the army is something that matured me, something that made me be more organized and more disciplined, and also something that made me appreciate a lot more of how easy a life of a soccer player can be compared to a life of a soldier. Help put things into perspective, no doubt. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, reading up a little bit about you before we get to to uh, playing uh, for GCU a little bit, uh, it was, you did a fun little video on uh, Truth or Lie and, and uh, found out that, that you love cooking. <laughs> yes. Is this, a, is this a passion of yours? Is, is this go back to, to uh, is this something that, that was brought up uh, in your life there at Cyprus? That, uh, or how did you gravitate so to cooking? So, so growing up, um, my mom would always cook healthy. She's kind of a health freak, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I always grilled with my friends, and it was it's kind of a tradition to grill back home. So it kind of implanted on me, and it's more of a it's more of a hobby, to be honest. Especially now, combining the athlete life and student athlete life. Um, not having as much time to cook, maybe in season, I prefer to have more food that I take from campus rather than cooking. And off season, when I have more time, is uh, where I show my cooking skills. What What are you uh, What are you known for back in Cyprus? What's your favorite? So the most traditional food you can have back home is called uh, souvla, and oh, it's yeah. big uh, chunks of pork or chicken or whatever type of meat you prefer on on a skew and it is on um it is cooked on a charcoal for about two hours well i'm getting hungry what, <laughs> when now that you've come over here to to gcu and uh have you been exposed to to any new food i have or cooking techniques have, or how just how bad is it really just tell it straight uh, out just how bad it is compared to where you're from well it's not it's not as bad. It's not only unhealthy food. You can you can choose like, uh, but what really didn't made an impression for me was the way spices were used in the Mexican culture, mm. and the different types of ways that um, they could cook a food. Yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, the South American influences uh, in my family as well, and uh, and just how. Fantastic. Some of the food is um, in different cultures. Uh, it's it's amazing. Now let's get to soccer a little bit. That that your your first exposure to uh, I know it was I think it was about against Creighton, and it was a big big win against a quality opponent. Um, and then you you go on and you win a WAC uh, championship. Uh, and man, it was all about goal goaltending in that in that WAC tournament. Um, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> because uh the goals weren't coming out that plenty but you got enough you guys but yeah it was goose eggs for for you uh can you talk about the level of play and and how you were able to assimilate what appears to be uh very smoothly to the NCAA game well um experience did play a big role however i feel like uh my teammates and my coaches coming in, they they really did welcome us in a very good way. And that really made us feel very comfortable. Like the coaches were, they granted us the liberty to play our own game. 
They gave us confidence, which is something that I feel like it's the most important thing you can give to a player. And I feel like moving in the, on the season, we started becoming more closer as a family. And we actually started fighting for each other. And of course, it was nothing that I did by myself. It was something that we all fought very hard every single game and never gave up until the last minute. And by having us do all that hard work, the result was just inevitable. You know, it seems, you know, if you look at a roster and uh, it's just so culturally diverse, different nations, different ethnicities, uh, is there a common thread that runs through uh, when a team is assembled like that and, and you have that at, at GCU and, and on other teams? The, is there that, that competitive, just that will to win that kind of pulls a team together? Or what exactly is that one th- common thread? Uh, I believe talking on the international side, I believe because soccer is one of the most popular sports in Europe. And from a young age, we learn to become competitive and to not give up and to play the best of our abilities. I feel like internationals coming in, we had that in common. But also, Americans did have that in common. And it was nice coming and finding people with the same perspective and the same goals as us. It was much easier for us to be feel like home. How is the balance between, uh, you know, attending classes and, and uh, you know, playing soccer and, and training and practicing in the games? Uh, what's the balance like for you on, on campus at GCU? In the beginning, it was, it was kind of hard just to find a good balance of how much time I have to study, how much time I have to devote on sports. But um, I feel like as time went on, I was able to be more organized and by applying maybe one or two hours a day, I was able to stay on top of my classes and at the same time be at the performance level where I wanted to be at. Just a, a couple of questions concerning uh, goalkeeping. Um, I know you, you mentioned that you, you in a previous uh, video that I watched that you played midfield until around 12 and then you went back into the yes, into, into uh, goalkeeping what's the mentality like there and in sp- specifically when when I'm watching a game the pks I really want to get into because um it it seems like a goalkeeper has zero chance what is your what's your approach when you're eyeing down somebody uh on a pk cuz man it is it's nasty as far as I I'm concerned for a goalkeeper well, coming to a game where you know that you're probably going to have a PK taken on you, you the coaches do their homework and they give us uh, clips of players striking PKs. But again, there's no way that you will be for sure that they will make it at the same corner that they did it in their clips. However, I feel like um, as a goalie, being able to stand tall and show confidence to the guy that is going to take the PK is something that is definitely going through the player's mind and again it's it could be 50 50 there's some goalies that are very good at pks or some goalies that are not good at pks that's why we see in big teams switching goalies when the pk is coming in and, and you have you you've taken a pk haven't you yes i have didn't didn't you take one in california yes i did i scored that pk 
<laughs> I think that's a really good good uh, question to end this uh, conversation with. Yes, you did score, uh, and uh, fantastic. Uh, got that that midfield blood in you um, and that opportunity. So, George, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I know speaking for all soccer fans for GCU, can't wait to to see the team back out on the pitch and and get going again and and going after another whack title and and uh, on to the NCAA's. So. Thank you very much for your time today and, and for look me. forward uh, to seeing you guys out, out there at the end of August. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. The Call of the Week, presented by Canyon State Credit Union, committed to you. GCU Baseball opened the 2019 season against perennial power Wichita State in front of 4,562 fans. Cade Meckles took the hill for the first of two opening day wins at GCU and struck out the side in the first inning. One-two pitch. Soil and miss to close out the top half of the first. Cade Meckles comes in with three strikeouts. Kona Quiggle made sure that Meckles' mastery stood up. He led off a four-run second inning with a triple and started the third in even grander style. Another shot to that right center field area back. Meckles fanned nine in six innings, and reliever Cole Hoskins finished off the Shockers. Folks win it nine to one over the Wichita State Shockers tonight here at Brazel Field at GCU Ballpark to begin the 2019 season. That was the Call of the Week presented by Canyon State Credit Union, committed to you. The federal tax filing deadline has been extended to July 15th, so you still have plenty of time to begin filing your taxes. Grand Canyon University wants to help you avoid the stress that filing taxes can bring. This year, GCU is partnering with Easy 1040, an online service that allows you to have your taxes filed by a licensed professional at the same price as filing on your own. Starting as low as $40, Easy 1040 is one of the fastest, easiest, and most convenient ways to securely file a tax return online. Now, you can take advantage of an additional 20% off when you enter the promo code GCU20. Easy 1040 has you answer 10 questions about your taxes and does the rest for you. Visit easy1040.com to start filing today. Casey Shaw started Toledo, played an NBA season with Philadelphia, and played 12 more pro seasons in Europe. But he comes to GCU for his coaching credentials, which developed at Vanderbilt for three years on the staff of GCU head coach Bryce Drew, who is also his brother-in-law. Shaw talks about it with Paul Coro on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Recently on the podcast, we talked to the GCU basketball sister act of Tiana and Tiara Brown, so it's only right that we now talk to Lopes men's basketball assistant coach Casey Shaw, the brother-in-law of head coach Bryce Drew. People say that GCU is like a family, but you guys really give much more meaning to that, Casey. We do. Uh, my wife and I will be celebrating uh, our 25th uh, anniversary this summer, uh, so 25 years. I've known uh, Coach Drew for a, for a long time, in fact, since, uh, since, since he was in high school. And uh, really excited to join his staff and, and get to work with him. It's just, uh, just such an amazing place like GC, GCU. We're, uh, we're thrilled for the opportunity and, and uh, for what the future holds here. You and Bryce spent three years coaching together at Vanderbilt, but you talked about that relationship going pretty far back to high school. And how did the whole uh, 
that develop and how did the whole family dynamic come about? Yeah. So, uh, my wife, Dana, she, she, Dana drew, uh, some people might be surprised to learn that she was actually the best basketball player of the drew family. Uh, she, she was an all American at the university of Toledo where I went to college and played basketball. And, uh, so that's where I met Dana Bryce's uh, older sister. And, uh, uh, and the first time I met Bryce, actually a funny story was he official visited when he was a high school senior, he was a Mr. Basketball in Indiana and was a very highly touted recruit and had, you know, power five high major schools and offers from, from, uh, pretty much anywhere he wanted to go. Uh, everybody knows he ended up choosing Valparaiso and playing for his dad, but he also visited Toledo. But, uh, when he came, it was for one reason that was to hang out with his sister for the weekend. And, uh, I got the great job. I was a freshman in college that year. I was redshirt, a redshirt freshman and my college coach, uh, uh, decided that he thought I would be the best to host, uh, Bryce on his visit to Toledo. And I did my best to sell it to him, but uh, but, but we couldn't uh, we couldn't get him there. But it was a great time to get to meet Bryce for the first time, uh, hang out with him for a weekend, and uh, yeah, we just really hit it off. So we've we've been close uh, since. What an impossible task he gave you, but maybe maybe right. some good matchmaking <laughs> right. that helped on that go. end, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. mentioned your playing days, Casey. Your standout from the get go at Toledo averaged a double double as a senior. Uh, what, how did your career college career develop there? Yeah. So I was, um, you know, I never played AAU or anything. And so coming out of high school, uh, um, you know, I had, I had some, uh, I had, you know, offers, mid-major offers and, and, uh, you know, wasn't as highly recruited, but got to Toledo. I was able to redshirt my freshman year, which, uh, uh, you know, is really good for big guys, especially I'm six foot 10. And, uh, um, and so being able to redshirt and get an extra year of development was really crucial for me in my development. Then I came in my freshman, my redshirt freshman year and, and, uh, you know, hit the ground running. Uh, I had some good coaches there that worked on my development. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the gym, in the weight room. And, and, uh, by the end of, you know, I go from being, um, you know, not very highly recruited coming out of high school and then um, had the opportunity to be drafted the 37th pick in the 98 NBA draft, which was really a dream come true. I, I never imagined that I could get to that point, but I had some great coaches that built into me, helped me believe uh, and and build my confidence, but also develop me uh, in my skills at Toledo. So I'm very thankful and very fortunate for that. Yeah, I don't think too many coaching staffs in America have two guys that were in the same NBA draft. You, you and Bryce at number 16, you played that season with the Sixers under uh, the legendary Larry Brown alongside another Hall of Famer, Allen Iverson. How were those experiences? It was it was awesome. In fact, you know, Coach Brown, I learned so much from him. I mean, he's all a fan coach, obviously, and people know that. But his ability to relate to players, especially in the NBA, and 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 not a lot of people saw. You know, everybody kind of saw the dynamics with him and Allen. You know, outside. You know, there were some some things that you know the old practice speech that Allen gave and all of that. But the reality was, Coach Brown was really a master at um, at managing those personalities, those big personalities, and bringing them together. Uh, in a way that, um, you know, gave the team a chance to win. 
And, um, you know, I got really close with Coach Brown. In fact, I actually, my wife and I, Dana and I, we actually house sat for him in the summer uh, when he would go, he would, you know, he would go to Malibu, do USA basketball and things like that. And so, um, so I got really close to him, kept in touch with him throughout the years. In fact, uh, you know, even up until recently when I was at Vanderbilt, you know, we'd see him on the road and connect with him and, and, you know, pick his brain. He's been a great resource for me. You also had what, maybe a, a training camp or so with uh, Scott Williams, who's our GCU television analyst before he went to Milwaukee. I did. In fact, I remember uh, getting to Philly and uh, connecting with he and his wife and actually going over to their house. I think we went over for dinner. Um, we had a really, uh, really good um, chap chaplain uh, for at the Sixers at the time. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, the NBA chapel program was uh, was, was really good for us. And so, you know, I got to connect with Scott through, through that as well. Um, uh, kind of a mutual faith, but, um, but he wasn't with this long. We, he, you know, he did uh, go to Milwaukee, um, shortly, uh, after the season started. Uh, but yeah, great guy. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with him here at uh, GCU. But where your your pro career really took off was overseas, and people really underrate how good it can be to be a pro overseas if you if you get the chance to have you know there's so few Americans on each roster, but if you really get that chance to be a substantial player there, it's a great lifestyle. What did what did that do for you personally and professionally to play in Italy, Spain? Poland, wherever else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it was it was awesome. Um, you know, first of all, from a family perspective, it's much more conducive to have a family uh, and playing basketball over there than is in in the NBA. You don't travel near as much, so you know, we we started having kids. We had four four babies in five years uh, when I got over overseas, and and uh, just being able to be home more with my with my family was was just wonderful. And and playing basketball, there's much more like a college environment. I think about the havocs at GCU and and the rowdiness and the energy that that is in the gym. That's very similar to how it is in Italy. I mean, the fans are just awesome. And uh, so, uh, so I love that part of it. I'm really excited about GCU and get to, to, to experience the Havocs. Um, I've heard so much about it and watched it online. And so super excited about that. But, but yeah, playing overseas is, is all back when I started playing over there, you can only have two Americans per team. So it was much more difficult to play, but um, you know, it's good basketball. I, I played for the Italian national team coach. I played uh, for the Slovenian national team coach. I played for some, just some really legendary coaches over there that had a different philosophy and style uh, that really shaped, uh, you know, my coaching philosophy and style even now. And I feel like I can bring some of that uh, knowledge both as a player, but also what I learned from some of those coaches when it comes to positioning and 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 just style of play that I think is really going to be beneficial and help our team at GCU. We've already brought in a couple of bigs and obviously Alessandro's returning. We've got some really good uh, players on the inside. I think the, uh, you know, the next next couple of years I'm really excited about. Um, uh, but, you know, things I learned over there uh, helped me to be a better coach now. And that Pro life over there, it's it's so much different. The culture, how they operate with the the practices, a lot of times, you know, team meals after games and that sort of thing. That seem feels a little bit more like college. Is that is that true? The off court life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's it, you are you're together. You're you really are more of a family. In the NBA, it's you're more isolated. And I think uh, you know, Coach Drew could even speak to this he's he played six years in the nba and um you know you're it's 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 just more difficult in the nba to um uh 
you know, develop the, the really tight uh, bonds that you can when you're overseas, uh, especially with other American guys that come over because you, you know, you're in a, you're in a completely different environment and, and uh, um, you really rely on each other, uh, your teammates. I thought just living there, the lifestyle, and just having an opportunity to play uh, high-level basketball uh, in another country and travel and see the world. I mean, I got to play in you know, Moscow and Tel Aviv and, and uh, Barcelona and London. And it's just, it's just amazing to get to, to travel to these places and experience these cultures. Um, and, and my family, too. My, my, my children are much have a, I, I feel a, a, a deeper worldview and, uh, and, and a love for people and diversity that uh, they may, maybe wouldn't have been exposed to if I was playing in the States. That's amazing. What, yeah. And then when, along that path, when did you start to get the coaching bug? Well, you know, uh, so I played um, 13 years, maybe almost 14 years, I think. And, and um, I, you know, I, I, I always considered potentially going into coaching. I mean, basketball is in my, in my blood. It's, it's what I've done my whole life. Uh, but as you near retirement as a player, you begin to think about, you know, what's next and, and try to evaluate, uh, you know, where you're being led. For me, you know, I became a Christian when I was in college and my faith is the most important part of my life. And um, while I was playing, I actually got a master's uh, from, a, from seminary. I have a seminary degree in biblical studies uh, from Moody. It, it took me a while, but, uh, but it was a constructive use of my time uh, towards the end of my career. And so I actually considered, you know, going into a ministry opportunity. Uh, but I felt like, you know, with coaching, it is a ministry. You're getting a chance to use the game of basketball to work with uh, young men, uh, develop them and help them achieve their goals, their dreams, the things they've, you know, they, they dreamed about their whole life to play, you know, college and professional basketball. But in that you, you have the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to lead them and, and mentor them in ways to become great fathers and husbands and, and, uh, and, and obviously be able to share, you know, the faith aspect in that. That's why I'm excited. Like I said about GCU, we have a Christian uh, school where, our faith is is uh, celebrated, and and I really think that when you are um, physically healthy, at least in my opinion, you know, being physically fit in your best condition, uh, being mentally uh, confident, believing in yourself, but the piece that some athletes miss is being spiritual, spiritually healthy, and when you add that piece in, you can really, man. I mean, you can you can really reach your full potential, and so uh, so for me, you know, thinking about after I got done playing, I, I thought coaching ministry, I did do business for a little bit. I, when I, when I stopped, I, I, you know, our family was young. We were making that transition back to the state. So I, I worked, uh, with an investment firm, uh, in Chicago for, for, for a short amount of time and, uh, just enough time to realize that that wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So, um, but I'm really thankful to, to be able to coach and, and, um, you know, and, and just still be a part of the game of basketball. You're so right about GCU being the perfect place to merge that ministry and coaching into one place. And you're really unique in the coaching profession as a big man. You're six feet 10, and that's that's a rare dynamic. Uh, I talked to Asbjorn Mitgard not too long ago. He's a seven-footer transfer from Wichita State, and he said he's never had a coach who could look him in the eye. He's never had a coach <laughs> over 6'2". So where have you found yeah, the values in yeah. that? Well, honestly, two two things um, I would say to that. Number one, there's a lot of good coaches that are under six foot that can coach big guys, but but until you've actually been in that position and you know what it's like when you're wrestling down there with guys and it's physical and you're getting fouled, 
I, I mean, just to be able to relate to guys, to know like, hey, I know what that's like to be down there battling. I know what it's like to set a big screen or, uh, you know, step over and, and protect the rim. I know what it's like to to try to fight for position with a guy that might outweigh you by 20 pounds. And, and, and just knowing what these guys are going through is, is I think is a, is a benefit um, because I played that position for, for more than 10 years as a pro uh, and, and, and gotten to where these guys, a lot of these guys are trying to get to. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think it's really helpful is just in practice. So you're going to see Paul, when we practice coach drew has a practice that is high energy, a lot of passion, I mean, it's, you know, tough and, and we get after it. And honestly, the assistant coaches are sweating almost as much as the players are uh, because we get in the drills, we get in there and we're working with them. And so for me, you know, I'll get a pad out there, but just knowing how to put a body on our guys, it gives them a realistic defender uh, when they're working on their, um, you know, just on their, on their, uh, on their game. And so, you know, being six foot 10, I, you know, I mean, I can, I can get out there with them still. And, and, and even at my age, I, you know, I try to stay in shape so that I can get out there and just really give them a realistic feel because otherwise it's tough. And I, you know, I use blockers and pads and, you know, things like that, but so that's, those are the two things I would say, just knowing just from a mental standpoint, the experience, but then on the second side is getting out there with them in practice, uh, I think is a big advantage. Uh, can't wait to to see you banging down there with Ali Laver and talking Italian back and <laughs> forth to each other. <laughs> That's right. the, say, hey, it's great. My first call with him, uh, I got to practice my Italian, so I love that part of it. <laughs> well, a uh, lot of excitement about the season coming up with the new recruits you guys have brought in and voluntary workouts are coming up and things getting announced like the Colangelo Classic and a home game against ASU. So uh, thanks so much for letting Lope Nation get to know you a little bit more, Casey, and all the best to you and your family here. Thanks so much, Paul. It's been my pleasure to be with you. I can't wait uh, to get in the gym again with the guys, but I uh, can't wait to get out there on the floor. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm so fired up to see the Havocs and they get to experience that. There's nothing like in college basketball. That's all I've heard. And so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. I'll warn them about you. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Paul. All right. We need to get to our trivia answer before we wrap things up for this episode. We ask which GCU pitcher was taken the highest in MLB draft history? And the answer is... Kevin Wickander was selected with the 30th overall pick in the 1986 MLB draft by the Cleveland Indians. What about that, Paul? Yeah, you probably could tell us a lot about him. He was uh, a local who did well at GCU and made it to the majors with four clubs as a lefty short reliever, career 4.02 ERA, not too bad. Yeah, he was uh, part of those great teams uh, through GCU history, winning those national championships. Kevin Wickander, 30th overall pick in the 1986 MLB draft, went to the Cleveland Indians. So before we end this episode, though, hey, Paul, what should we be checking out on GCULopes.com? We continue our Meet the Newcomers series on GCU men's basketball players this week. You get to know Jaden Stone, who is... Might be the prize recruit of the whole bunch, a four-star guy uh, who was born in Australia and prepped in the U.S. And you can see that story and video on GCLopes.com along with social media splashes throughout the week. And we're going to visit more with Cade Meckles and delve more into how this came about, that he was uh, drafted fourth round by the White Sox after uh, returning to school from being a 40th round pick last year and have his... Uh, season shortened this year. It was uh, really an interesting story and couldn't happen to a better pitcher or a better guy. 
Yeah, I got to be honest, Paul, a lot of breaking news uh, last week that was very exciting. But, you know, me, a baseball guy after following Cade for the last couple of years, super excited to see. I was shocked it happened then with it only being five rounds. But, man, I was so excited to see to see him. And I can't imagine how excited he is is and how great those interviews are going to be. Yeah, for anybody who knew him to see uh, there was a video that Quinn Cotton shared on Twitter to see uh, him celebrate with his family and the reaction that was uh, that was heart stirring. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Lopes Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Lopes Insider Podcast presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform and at gclopes.com slash podcast. Lopes up. Lopes up.